0: A reading from the life of Jesus, as recorded by one of His closest friends, John. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them.
1: Good morning, everybody. My name is Nathan, and I'm on staff here at the church. And uh, I have four daughters that we took uh, back to school shopping this year which, uh, as a dude, I did not know was not as simple as just finding things that fit. Um, This was uh, an event, uh, as much of an event as like a uh, fantasy football draft is for dudes, which uh, I also know nothing about. And so uh, I was out of the loop on the whole thing, but there were snacks and drinks and lunch involved. It was a whole deal, and it led me to my mortal enemy, Target. And... uh, (laughs) While we're checking out, uh, I'm asked by Target in the checkout line, do you want to donate to such and such charity, which is a pretty commonplace thing these days on transactions. And one of my daughters oversaw it and said, hey, why is it that Target wants us to donate to that charity? One of my other daughters quickly responds and says, well, it's because Target cares about those people. And I said instantly, well, no, that can't be it. Um, nope, that math ain't mathin', so let's try and figure this out. What is it that actually makes Target want us to donate to such and such charity? And so, as we kind of left and went to multiple other stores that day, uh, I had a lot to think about, and I'm thinking out loud, I'm talking to myself and my kids and my wife, too much to their dismay, about why is it that Target wants me to donate? And one of my daughters said, well, maybe it's because Target wants you to think that they care about those people and i said "Mm -mm, that can't be it either because the last thing target wants me to do while i'm making a transaction is think the last thing that target wants me to do is to use my brain for a moment so it ain't about what i think plus they wanted me to think They could donate on my behalf. I mean, if Target really cared about the issue, Target's going to have to donate money at the end of the year to write it off on their taxes anyway. They could just do this on my behalf and say, we're rounding up to every dollar on your behalf. But that's not what they're doing either. And I said, so maybe by the time we get back to Target for the second time to buy something that day and we're in the checkout line, I came to the conclusion this isn't about what Target wants me to think. It's about what Target wants me to feel. Target wants me to feel good about this transaction because they don't want me thinking about how I don't actually need any of this stuff I'm buying. They don't want me thinking about how guilty or selfish I feel for spending the money. What they want is to ask me, do you want to donate such and such money to St. Jude's? And then I feel good about the transaction and not good about what I bought This was not just good for me, it was morally good for the world that I shopped at Target. Me and Target are making the world a better place, one transaction at a time. And Now you can understand why I will not be invited back to back to school shopping again this year. I think this gets to the point of what we've been talking about in this series, Practicing the Way. What we've been talking about is that Christianity is not merely a system of belief. Of course, we all share beliefs. We all share beliefs, and they are essential to our faith. But Christianity, although probably against most popular opinion, it is not a list of ideas that you agree to about God or about the afterlife or about morality even. Christianity is not a system of ideas that you just accept and believe. It is the choice to arrange our lives around trusting God and loving, and pursuing Jesus as King and Lord and leader, Christianity is about choosing to follow the way of Jesus. In fact, it's what the earliest believers even called themselves. They didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves followers of the way because Jesus called himself the way, the truth, and the life. And so to follow the way, the truth, and the life meant to follow His way, His truth of life. It is not just about what you choose to believe, though. It is about growing in your love for Him by growing in your obedience to how He has called you to live. So in this series, we're looking at how Christians, really around the world, practice their faith. Because there are things about the way that Christians choose to live, regardless of culture, regardless of nationality or ethnicity or language, if you went to a Christian on the other side of the world and said, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? They would probably point to many of these kind of practices. Because God is not simply after your thoughts. And we said this on the first week. God is after your heart. He wants you to desire Him, to pursue Him, to love Him and your practices. Your habits, the way that you choose to live, even in unconscious ways, they are the things that form your desires, not just what you think. But see, it's not just God who is after your desires. Anyone who wants to get anything from you, anyone who wants to sell you anything, listen to the primary debates that are going to go on in politics, it is not about trying to convince you to think something. Everyone's kind of saying the same thing. It is about trying to control your desires, to get after your heart, what it is that you most want. My favorite philosopher, Dallas Willard, identified the four primary questions philosophers throughout history, right? Throughout history and across the world, they've all been trying really to answer these four primary questions. And the reason that they're primary is because they are fundamental to the desires we have. Any period in history, any place on the planet, people are trying to figure out what is true about this so here they are number one is what is reality everyone's trying to figure out what is true what is real in life in our world is why there's so much debate over who controls the facts as if someone could control facts as if someone could control truth truth is just truth and we want to know how do i know what is true what is real And that is fundamental to answering the other three questions, which is, who is really blessed, or who really has the good life, is the way we say it. How how do you really have the good life? More than that, who is a good person? I don't just want good things in my life, I want to know I'm good. At the end of the day, when I look at myself in the mirror, I want to know I'm a good person. And then fourth, how do I become a good person? And every culture, every time period has come up with different answers to those questions, but this is really what we want in life. I want to know that the life I'm living is good and pleasing. How do I know I have the best possible life, right? All self-help books are around this, how to have the good life, right? All advertising is around this, how to have the good life, and I want to know that I am good. And see, this is what advertising companies are going after. They are trying to convince you. If you want the good life, you need our product. And they're not trying to convince you intellectually that you need their product, right? They're not trying to convince you this is a better product. They're trying to tell you this will make you better, your life better. And here's how you know. They're not, Corona doesn't really think that you will think if we put Snoop Dogg in our commercials that you will think, you know, if I buy their product, I will be as cool as Snoop Dogg. (laughs) They don't think you actually think that, right? It's not about what you think. What they do is they want to show Snoop Dogg drinking a Corona, and then they want you to feel, well, maybe. (laughs) I mean, maybe. I'm not saying it's going. I don't think it's going to happen, but it might. Maybe. It kind of feels like it might be true. This is why the whole donating on every transaction is so brilliant, because now when you visit Target, you get to answer all those questions. Here's how I know what's real. I stood in the checkout line, and I, all this stuff I bought, it's going to give me the good life. Now, if you thought about it, that coffee tumbler ain't making your life any better. If you thought about it, you kind of feel like it is, and you feel a little guilty, and then you do, they say, hey, do you want to round up your 43 cents to the next dollar, give it to St. Jude's, and you go, well, maybe that'll make me a good person. And you don't think I'm a good person because I donated 57 cents? But you feel, maybe, I'm certainly better than the person who didn't donate the 50 cents. And no, this, this coffee tumbler is not going to change my life. Maybe. Maybe I'll start my morning out just be in a good attitude because i got good vibes from this coffee tumbler. Maybe. Because it's not about what you think. It's about what you feel. It's about what you desire. And Jesus also had answers to these questions. What is reality? God. God in his kingdom. There is no greater reality than life with God. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, the life. Not one way out of many, not his personal truth, and you've got your personal truth. He way, the truth, the only life that actually is good and pleasing because it's the only one that lines up with reality. Not the lies that we buy into that maybe a couple more purchases and my life will be good. Maybe a little more respect at the office in my life will be good. Maybe a little more exciting sex and then my life will be good. It doesn't work because it doesn't line up with reality. But the only way, the only truth that lines up with a good life, which is the second question, is Jesus' way. What is the good life? Anyone who lives in God's kingdom, here's the part we don't like, under his authority. In God's kingdom, under His authority, Jesus said to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and all this stuff we worry about, it'll take care of itself. You center your life. You point your life towards God and His kingdom, and that's a good life. This means that a good life is not found in a Tesla, or F-150s are more your vibe. An F-150. It's not found in a solid retirement, great vacation, an exciting sex life or more money than you know what to do with, the good life is found with God under His rule. And if we live in this way, we become question three and four a good person. Jesus said in His view of reality, the good person is the person who can love the Lord your God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. But Here's the truth. God defines reality so, you don't get to define what love is. He does. And Jesus said that love, loving God, loving others, it looks like the cross.
0: On the night before Jesus, on the night before Jesus went to the cross to show his followers what real love looked like, he sat down to have a final meal with them. It would be at this meal that Jesus would give His new command to love one another like He had loved them. But before any of that took place, Jesus demonstrated what a blessed or good life in His kingdom looked like in a shocking way. One of the disciples at this meal, John, would later write about this event like this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. Now, think about that phrase all things were under Jesus' power. Jesus had all power to shape reality how He saw fit. Jesus had the power to control things in whatever way He wanted them to go. And instead of getting out of going to the cross, instead of sitting on an earthly throne and making people serve Him, instead of what most of us think is the good life, Jesus chooses a different kind of good life. He desired something different. So He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing, And wrapped a towel around his waist after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him now i don't think jesus desired washing feet but i think he desired to serve his disciples he desired to express his love for them most parents don't desire waking up three times a night to change and feed their newborn baby but when our children cry there is a desire within us to go to them We desire to care for them. We don't want that to be someone else's job. We know that a good life is one where we can care for our children. Because we love them, we want good for them, and we want to be the ones who can do good for them. John begins the story by saying that Jesus loved His own who were in the world. He loved them till the end. Jesus loved His disciples by taking on the very nature of a servant. It was the lowest servant who was given the job of washing the feet of dinner guests. But in God's kingdom, it's the King who gives this responsibility. And as you can imagine, the disciples are shocked by this and even a little embarrassed and offended. Peter doesn't even want to let Jesus do this, but Jesus makes clear, you can't be in my kingdom if you do not allow me to serve you. So Peter relents and lets Jesus serve him in a way that Peter found so demeaning. And then when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In His final meal with His followers, Jesus was establishing a picture of what life in the kingdom would look like for His followers once He had returned to His Father. It's at this meal that Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, who would live within His believers once He left. And at this meal He gave them the meal we call the Lord's Supper to honor and worship Him. And at this meal that He gives them the command to love one another, meaning their fellow disciples, like He had loved them. Jesus is not just establishing a personal relationship with each of His followers, He's forming them into a community of love. And so He begins the meal by giving them an example of the way in which they should lay down their lives to love and serve one another. By the end of the next day, He would show them the greatest version of this love. But in washing their feet, He was giving them a practical day-to-day example. Love means serving one another. And He tells them, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is how we answer those deep desires. How do we have the good life? How do we become blessed? It's not through knowing or believing more. You'll be blessed if you commit yourself to serving one another like God has served you. Jesus once said, those who want to be the greatest in His kingdom must be the servant of all. The good life is not found through climbing the ladder of success or acquiring more purchases or having more vacation or family experiences or having the life we always dreamed of. It's becoming the kind of person who loves others through selfless, sacrificial service.
1: practice of Jesus for each of us from his way christians are people who practice humble service towards one another for the sake of giving our lives away to king jesus another way to say it is we serve one another to serve jesus we love one another to love god john who wrote this story from jesus life would go on to write another letter to uh, the early church, and it's all about what it actually looks like to live out this new command that Jesus had given them, to love their brothers and sisters in Christ the way that he had loved them. And it is only from a community of love. Com- there we go, sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear it at first, and so then I heard it about halfway through. <laughs> I was like, someone trying to get my attention? It is only from a community of love a community centered around loving God and loving one another that we can ever really be formed into the kind of people who could love our neighbor, love people outside the community, love our enemy. It is only by being formed in a community of love that this is even possible. Here's how John says it in 1 John. He says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Notice the way that John puts it here. He's saying, this is how you even know what love is. I think there's something in all of us that thinks, well, everyone just knows how to love. I mean, it's just like instinctual. Of course you love whoever you want to love. But John says, no, no, no. This is how you know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life and you ought to then lay down your life for your brothers and sisters, that you can't even experience real love until you have somehow reciprocated it. If you've been around here for a while, you know we have a phrase that we say every week, which is, go love everyone always. In fact, we think this is a really good summation of Jesus' commands. It's to love everyone always. We put this on shirts a while back and we gave it to Everybody and a lot of you probably still have those shirts, and you've worn them out in public, and I guarantee you nobody has ever come up to you and said, love everyone always. How dare you? How offensive is that? Love everyone always? It's because for most of us, love is primarily a sentimental, vague kind of notion